So welcome back to the Kyle Style Podcast once again. Oh, where where are you? Where are you? Oh, there you are. So we got some got some news to cover. I know I've pro- I've made some big promises. I really have. I've made some. I'm going to continue my Visions of the Apocalypse series. I've got the, the, the story of Captain Renton I have to do. Uh, a whole bunch of different stuff. I've taken, it's been almost a month. I hadn't realized it. Uh, you know, the whole world was waiting. Yeah, Kyle, what do you got to say? Uh, it's been a month since I think the last episode. And there's been some changes, there's been some stuff. It was, call it, call it summer vacation, right? And, you know, I, I did an episode a long time ago called Lockjaw, just about how you get, you know, what, uh, I think it was Stephen Pressman, or Pressfield, called, uh, Resistance in the War of Art. Uh, he called it resistance. You just kind of, you you get distracted by things, and you kind of are like, ah, nah, I don't, I don't really have anything to say. Kyle doesn't have a hot take, you know. I kind of have a hot take right now. So something that uh, that broke. I remember seeing it. I saw it break. I think actually a day or so ago. I first saw the first signs of this story breaking, and. Um, it's about uh, Google's ideological echo chamber. Now, what uh, what has transpired since I first saw it, I thought it was just kind of like, ah, it's just a nothing story. It's kind of growing legs again, and here we are. Um, this revolves around a gentleman by the name of, what's his name again? James Damore. James Damore? Uh, and apparently an engineer at Google, not a, uh, like a train engineer, like a computer code engineer. And they have at Google, as other companies do that are sort of forward thinking and everything, they have, uh, you know, message boards and things that they provide for their, um, for their employees to discuss things that are, you know, uh, whatever the topics of the day are, it's supposed to encourage, uh, you know, sort of community interaction and corporate culture. And this uh, young man used this for something that got him in a little bit of hot water. And there's layer upon layer of irony in all of this. And I kind of want to walk through this and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. So this is... I guess Kyle Style Podcast episode eighty six, uh, ideological echo chamber. I guess we'll call it that. So here is the initial, the OP, the initial posting. Uh, it's a le- it's about a ten page memo. I kind of want to go through some of it with you to kind of touch on some of this stuff. And what you have is a is is a, a forum provided for the Google employees. Let's see where you can, you can see. Ooh. How about that one? And what we have here... Oh, maybe I do that. Does that work? And then we'll do that. Okay, that'll work. Um is you have a an opportunity to communicate with your 
your coworkers at a, in a broad way, like at a broad level, right? And it's all about trying to maximize the company, right? It's trying to maximize your time, other people's time, um, you know, thinking, uh, talking about, say, how the company is perceived, uh, what their what the goals are here, and what's everybody, you know, how how's everybody doing essentially? What I think this partially does is it mitigates exposure to HR, right? To people just kind of discuss things and they work out issues on their own in a relatively kind of democratic fashion. And you assume a place like Google, it's going to be a bunch of smarty guys. It's going to be a whole bunch of smarty guys and gals, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> just the whole point of this uh, particular uh, document. And what ha what transpired from this memo is that this young man lost his job. Now, it's titled Google, Google's Ideological Echo Chamber. Now, I don't want to condescend you, but of course the idea of an echo chamber is that you, you, you say or do anything and it's going to create an echo, it's going to come back to you. This term has been used and applied to especially online spheres where people discuss things and everybody is in agreement. And so they all just agree with each other and then they think that they have a consensus that is broader than their smaller, smaller you know, sample size, their smaller group discussion. And everybody's kind of guilty of this, um, but it's all contributed to things like, well, Trump getting elected and, and all of this stuff. So uh, I, try, I would try not to mention Trump in the rest of this whole thing after that second mention of Trump. Okay, so Google's ideological echo chamber. And again, you're talking about a smarty guy here. This is a guy who, you know, does computer code. So he, he thinks like a machine. He thinks like a robot. He's going to go, oh, well, I'm going to present this information and it's all this data. And then everybody's going to go, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. Not so, sir. Not so. So you can see here at the very top, it says, you know, feel free to comment. So this is a PDF I'm looking at that you're looking at. But this was sort of a, a sort of living document at the time. It was pre presented, here's all this information, and there was a comment and, and interaction section for people to critique or rebut, okay? Now, he gives, I mean, look at how structured this is. This, like, I mean, is this guy, uh, yeah, I think you have to be autistic to go to this level. You have to be somewhere on the spectrum. And then I'm somewhere on the spectrum because I'm going to dive into it and try to analyze some of it. And then you're partially maybe a little ADD or not, if not autistic, to kind of come along with me on this journey. So, um, so again, it says, feel free to comment. They aren't disabled. The doc may just be overloaded. For longer form discussions, see this link. And both of these links are in private, uh, you know, non-public Google forums, right? So... Employees can log in, but if you try to follow these links, they go nowhere. So, due to the backlash, he added this um, reply to public response and misrepresentation. So, this, I think, is important. He added this. I think he added this afterward, but after sort of the controversy began. But he says, I value diversity and inclusion. I'm not denying that sexism exists and don't endorse using stereotypes. When addressing the gap in representation in the population, we need to look at this population-level differences in distributions. Uh, what? We need to look at population-level differences in distributions. If we can't have an honest discussion about this, then we can never truly solve the problem. 
Psychological safety is built on mutual respect and acceptance, but unfortunately, our culture of shaming and misrepresentation is disrespectful and unaccepting of anyone outside its echo chamber. Despite what the public response seems to have been, I've gotten many personal messages from fellow Googlers expressing their gratitude for bringing up these very important issues, which they agree with, but would never have the courage to say or defend because of our shaming culture and the possibility of being fired. This needs to change. So, he has since been fired. Uh, <laughs> so, I get I get that I've been, I've been arguing with people all day about this. I get that this is somewhat controversial, and it is, for lack of a better word, it's, it is a bit problematic when you start talking about that, uh, you know, maybe this, like, sexism and, and discrimination and stuff isn't really a thing, right? Maybe it's not that big of an issue. Well, he presents some data points about maybe why it is that uh, there's not, call it, active sexism going on in say, the tech industry, or at least at Google, or you could say at least on his teams that he has worked on. And he presents some, you know, cogent, uh, you know, some cogent information. So let's take a look at why there may not be systemic uh, sexism, right? So all he's really saying. So TLDR, that's too long, don't read. This is otherwise known as an abstract, I think. Uh, Google's political bias has equated the freedom from offense with psychological safety. But shaming into silence is the antithesis of psychological safety. Now, I've encountered this concept before that there are things that are like unsafe and that people kind of pull back and they run away from just something that is maybe challenging. It's maybe um, it's uh, it's 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 uh, in opposition to your view. So then it becomes a matter of psychological safety and then people make the jump to say that that's actually like violent right and this is where you get people saying that you know speech that is contradictory to theirs is violence which it's quite literally not it's speech right but let's continue so um shaming into silence the antithesis of psychological safety this silencing has created an ideological echo chamber where some ideas are too sacred to be honestly discussed hmm? Sacred cows become the elephant in the room. The lack of discussion fosters the most extreme and authoritarian elements of this ideology. Extreme. All disparities in representation are due to oppression. Authoritarian. We should discriminate to correct for this oppression. See how he was what he did there? He kind of flipped it. All disparities in representation are due to oppression. Any disparity in hiring or, you know, firing or, uh, you know, uh, assignments of, of, of tasks that is at all unequal in this particular instance of, say, sexism is what he's going to go on to talk about. But you could say race or age or whatever is due to oppression. It's purely sexism and racism and homophobia and everything that's driving those decisions. And we, in our progressive forward thinking uh, uh, mindset, we will do something to counteract this. And what we're going to do is we're going to discriminate against people based on superficial characteristics like, well, he's a white male, so he clearly is being, uh, you know, uh, is, is clearly biased, right? Uh, this starts to descend into insanity, but follow me. 
Differences in distributions of traits between men and women may in part explain why we don't have 50% representation of women in tech and leadership, right? Uh, you know, women are half the population. So if it was a, if it was an even distribution, you would think that it would be every, you know, basically you would think that every company would be, you know, half men and half women. Not so. And I'm hard pressed to think of, for example, the last time I saw, the last time I even saw a female garbage picker. Um, the last time I've, I mean... You mostly see male police. You see male, you know, uh, firefighters, male men in the military. I don't even know those numbers. I'm assuming it's pretty overwhelmingly men. And it just, it's its like, is that sexism and oppression? Or is there something else going on here? And this is where this is, becomes important is because if it's oppression, we can do something about it, right? If it's sexist manager, hiring managers at Google, we can do something about it. You say, hey, you stop doing that and take a sensitivity course and learn that, you know, you, you can't be Don Draper or whatever from Mad Men. You can't, you can't just, you know, these, these girls aren't here for your entertainment. They're here for doing work because they're equals, right? But if it's not that, then maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe there's some other phenomenon. Let's keep going. Discrimination to reach equal representation is unfair, divisive, and bad for business. So it's enacting a discriminatory policy to try to counteract what is perceived to be a discriminatory practice. And you now are lumping people into identity politics groups based on superficial characteristics. And this isn't a meritocracy then. This isn't uh, everybody's not being treated equally. Uh, you're starting to talk about societal oppression. So you're dragging society and stuff going on outside into the workplace and making that a part of everyone's day. You're making that part of the day of a guy like this who just wants to write code and, and try to do cool tech stuff and turn the future into Star Trek. He can't do that because he has to go take, you know, a, a microaggression training classes. Okay. So <clears throat> he gives a brief rundown of his intentions. We all have biases um, that are invisible to us. Thankfully, open and honest discussion with those who disagree can highlight our blind spots and help us grow, which is why I wrote this document. There it is. I, I think that we can have an open and honest conversation. I think we can be aware of our biases, but we can have a productive discussion. Google has several biases, and honest discussion about these biases is being silenced by the dominant ideology. What follows is by no means the complete story, but it's a perspective that desperately needs to be told at Google. So this is a guy on the inside. He's seeing that blind spot, and he's saying, we need to have an open and honest conversation about this. But, <laughs> but that is problematic. So he goes, he goes on to give a, a sort of left-wing, right-wing biasy breakdown, and this... The, the link for this one comes to, uh, it was an actual journal. It was a psychological journal. Let's see. What do we got? This was the one, you have, to, you have to pay for this one. It's behind a paywall. I didn't want to pay for it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, a measure of media bias. And this, you know, abstract and uh, little preview talks about a sort of scoring system they gave to different media outlets and showed that there was, you know, in fact, like a left-wing kind of bias in a lot of media outlets. Uh, so 
this is a rough breakdown, and I don't know if I necessarily even agree with this, but, you know, at least at first glance, it kind of feels right. Like, left biases, compassion for the weak, and disparities are due to injustice. Humans are inherently cooperative. On the right side, call it more conservative side, respect for the strong and for authority. Uh, disparities are natural and just. See, I don't know if I'd go that far. Humans are inherently competitive. Right? So... The thing is, is that these are biases, but the kind of both of these are true. Humans are inherently cooperative. We're social animals, but we are also inherently competitive. Uh, disparities are natural and just. There are certain disparities that are natural. Uh, I am not the dude you want on your NBA team if you're trying to win championships. I'll take the paycheck and lose, but I don't think that's what you want. Whereas disparities are due to injustices. It's not an injustice that I don't get to play in the NBA or the NFL. That's just a natural thing. However, there are disparities which are somewhat, you know, manufactured, especially especially historically, and you could drag that all the way up to the present day if you want and find examples of, uh, you know, socially enforced uh, disparities, right? Employment, bias, you know, uh, discrimination and hiring and all that stuff, which is what this is talking about. And then this compassion for the weak and respect for authority. I don't know if those are two, those aren't mutually exclusive uh, concepts. I mean, yeah, you you do have some compassion for the for the little guy, but you should respect authority because it has authority over you. At which point, it presumably has more power than you. So then, if you don't respect it, then you will get yourself in trouble. So you should respect it. Seems these aren't you know exclu mutually exclusive uh, concepts. Um, so he's talking specifically about Google's Mountain View, California campus. Um, he can't speak for the other. He's it's very measured in this. That's the thing is he seems very measured. He's trying to hedge everything and and couch it all, couch it all in a kind of the most helpful and kind of again like that kind of autistic uh, techie. He's trying to make it scientific, right? Um, he says I can't speak for uh, about other offices or or countries. So maybe this is just here. This is just something I've noticed. You know, let's have a discussion. Again, this is happening on an internal message board. Uh, maybe other people will go, yeah, you know, I think so. Or in this case, as we find out, he was fired. Uh, they, there's a backlash here. So he says, of course, I may be biased and only see evidence that supports my viewpoint. Going back to the previous statements about having an honest discussion. In terms of political biases, I consider myself a classical liberal and strongly value individualism and reason. Now, this, and he's, you know, he's included the links. This is the Wikipedia page for the classical liberal. Let's, let's look at a quick definition of classical liberal. Just Classical liberalism is a political ideology, a branch of liberalism, which advocates civil liberties under the rule of law with an emphasis on economic freedom. It is closely related to libertarianism and to free market capitalism. So, there you go. So, not liberal in the sense that you maybe are a Democrat, but a liberal in the sense that you believe in individual freedoms and maybe a little bit of a you know, laissez-faire style capitalism in there as well. So he's trying to he's trying to present these um, you know he's presenting definitions. He's providing a background to you know to advance the, the this argument. Okay, so you know <laughs> so change is good, change is dangerous. Again, that kind of a dichotomy of of worldviews, if you if you want. So let me see, hundred percent correct. Um, 
So yeah, okay, so here, here he is. He's even trying to bridge the gap now. Neither side is 100% correct, and both viewpoints are necessary for a functioning society, or in this case, a company. A company too far to the right may be slow to react, overly hierarchical, and untrusting of others. In contrast, a company too far to the left will constantly be changing, deprecated much deprecating much-loved services, over-diversify its interests, ignoring or being ashamed of its core business, and overly trust its employees and competitors. So, you know, there's vulnerabilities either way, depending on how all-in you go on a certain kind of ideology. Only facts and reason can shed light on these biases, but when it comes to diversity and inclusion, Google's left bias has created a politically correct monoculture that maintains its hold by shaming dissenters into silence. This silence removes any checks against encroaching extremism and authoritarian policies. For the rest of this document, I'll concentrate on the extreme stance that all differences in outcome are due to differential treatment and the authoritarian element that's required to actually discriminate to create equal representation. So, again, he's making this business case that their policies, their practices, some of their, maybe their core beliefs, are actually detrimental to their goals of not being discriminatory. And this, of course, seems all counterintuitive, but then this is where things got heated. Because he starts talking about essentially what is a sexual dimorphism in humans, which is that human beings are generally, almost, you know, roughly divided in half, half male, half female, and that there are a bunch of secondary characteristics and everything that come along with that dimorphism. And that, surprise, men and women aren't exactly the same, right? Uh, which is why there are men and women don't compete against each other in the Olympics because it's not exactly fair. Um, so he goes on to uh, to kind of give this breakdown. So at Google, we're regu regularly told that implicit, unconscious, and explicit biases are holding women back in tech and leadership. Of course, men and women experience bias, tech and the workplace differently, and we should be cognizant of this. But it's far from the whole story. On average, men and women biologically differ in many ways. These differences aren't just socially constructed because they are universal across human cultures, generally true. They often have clear biological causes and links to prenatal testosterone. So there he is dropping in, you know, in the womb, you get a certain doses of testosterone or estrogen, and then it just continues from there. It's a hormonal thing. Uh, hormone, hormones affect your behavior. They affect how you think, how you feel. Uh, biological males that were castrated at birth and raised as females often still identify and act like males. And there's been some kind of dark, um, there's been some dark psychological studies and things that have, uh, touched on that. And I'll try to pull up a link, uh, and put it in the comments and stuff here, uh, or the description. The underlying traits are highly heritable. So your, you know, your, <laughs> your dad has a, a hairy back. You're going to have a hairy back as a guy, but as a girl, maybe you don't have a hairy back. Uh, you know, the, this is heredity. Um, so they're exactly what we would predict from an evolutionary psychology perspective. Note, I'm not saying that all men differ from all women in the following ways or that these differences are just or, uh, or, or preferable, I suppose. 
I'm simply stating that the distribution of preferences and abilities of men and women differ in part due to biological causes, and that these differences may explain why we don't see equal representation of women in tech and leadership. Many of these differences are small, and there's significant overlap between men and women, so you can't say anything about an individual given these population-level distributions. So he goes on to show two curves. Now, if you're thinking about a bell curve, right, there's a famous the bell curve, which was uh, graphing IQ, right? So you have a lot of people right around the middle, and it, the graph goes up. And then at the high end and the low end, there's not so many. Uh, you know, there's mo most people are around average, and then you have a few really smart people and a few really dumb people. And... With a lot of with a bell curves of different demographics, however you want to uh, cut it up, they're gonna not necessarily overlap. There's this was uh, Charles Murray got in big trouble for his IQ distribution bell curve studies, and there is apparently a mean like the the middle average uh, disparity between black IQ and white IQ, for example, white IQ median or mean, I forget which, uh, average is higher than blacks. So then that boom becomes this bombshell of like, oh my God, what do we do about that? Well, you're a racist. That's racist to say, well, it just is a thing that came from testing and that's what happens when you graph them, right? However, even he explains here, uh, populations have significant overlap. Just because the median might have a disparity doesn't mean that that disparity applies to everybody that you see, right? Just because a woman, just because a female IQ is, uh, I think, is average a few points lower than men's, doesn't mean a woman you're meeting is actually dumber than you just because she's a woman, right? This is an important, it's an important concept to grasp. Reducing people to their group identity and assuming the average is representative ignores this overlap. This is bad, and I don't endorse that, he says. Just to continue to go out of his way to hedge this and plant and plant this in a, in a in an objective sphere, right? Let's be objective about this. So, personality differences. He goes on to talk about uh, uh, women on average, and this is again. There's links and everything. He's she's making a case. He's trying to back it up with facts. Women are more uh, empathetic. They're more open toward to feelings and aesthetics rather than ideas. Uh, a stronger interest in people rather than things. Um, they're, they're essentially, they are not as assertive or not viewed as being as assertive. You know, the, this is, uh, these are fairly common critiques. Uh, he goes on to say neuroticism, higher anxiety, lower stress tolerance. This may contribute to the higher levels of anxiety women report on Google Geist and to the lower number of women in high stress jobs. Google Geist is an internal uh, surveying tool that they use to you know to track your progress and everything else and they apparently are a bit obsessive about it at some point uh, i was reading some stuff earlier that made it seem like it was almost a chore to constantly be trying to monitor and and create this data about your own work performance and and your you know your opinion of the company so this go this all this is is grounded in biological uh, argument, right? He's saying that this is a biological thing, and we are constantly running into this problem a lot. I mean, anybody that talks about any of these problems is that there's what he calls social constructionists. Social constructionists would argue that 
Greater nation-level gender equality leads to psychological dissimilarity in men's and women's personality traits. Because as society becomes more prosperous and more egalitarian, innate dispositional differences between men and women have more space to develop, and the gap that exists between men and women in their personality traits becomes wider. Basically, we're not under the same pressures. Um, if we were under the same pressures, then we would probably develop more similarly, similarly but we aren't. Uh, because we have a certain amount of uh, of equality anyway, so everyone is sort of more allowed to become these different things. I know that's a little weird, but... So he goes on to talk about how men pursue, uh, pursue more status more than women do, and this is just a biological imperative. Uh, women basically are judged on being beautiful and being fertile. Right, they're they're not judged in the same way as or as frequently, uh, primarily on things like intelligence, tenacity, uh, you know, discipline, and and all these other things. Uh, as a man, <laughs> I'm telling you, yes, that's true. Uh, this is what guys are looking for in women. What women are looking for in men becomes a little bit more complex because it is about things like status and. Uh, you know, a certain amount of physicality, but also mentality, right? Like women will like a, um, they like a fit guy, but they don't like a guy that's fit and dumb, but they don't want a guy who's super smart and not fit. Like you got to kind of have all of these, these, you have the perfect kind of ingredients coming together to really be appealing to women. And this is, uh, I mean, this is all very touchy. I mean, I'm probably, I will, I will hopefully get hate on this video. I want people to tell me that how wrong I am and how stupid I am. Um, but uh, status is what men kind of judge themselves on and they pursue it. And that leads to things like uh, men suffering 93% of work-related deaths. You think about that, 93% of work-related deaths. Like think if, think if 93% of any bad thing at work was only affecting women. Right, like ninety-three percent of women uh, are, uh, have workplace injuries. Say, right, even less severe than death. But it was ninety-three percent women are the ones getting hurt at work. How long do you think that would last? But men take these jobs, and they're kind of it's sort of assumed they're expected to take these jobs. Um, firefighters and soldiers and coal miners and everything. It's a matter of physicality, but there is a cultural aspect, you know, just man up and be tough and, you know, drive the cattle across the prairie there, even though they might stampede and, you know, trample you to death. But you're a man, and this is just what men do. So these are, these are realities, and people who believe in social construct theories will think that, well, men have seen this actually stated that they think that men are, are only stronger than women because of our society, because of our culture. We don't encourage uh, women and girls to be physical so they don't become as strong as men. And this is ridiculous. I mean, this is heavily disproven, but let's, uh, let's do an example if I can find it. Uh, female, female bodybuilder arm wrestling if i can find it female bodybuilder versus men it was versus versus men arm wrestling 
Uh, is that it? Let's see. So here she is. Okay. Just a normal dude. She's a female bodybuilder. <sighs> well, you can see that. You can see that he, you know, he held her back. You know, he held her back when she's dedicated to being a bodybuilder, a fitness person. She's dedicated to, to lifting weights, and he still was putting up a fight. If that was a dude that was a male bodybuilder, it would have just slammed his hand down. It would. He probably wouldn't even wanted to do it. Right? There's another. There's other ones that I, I can't remember where it was. It was a girl, a female bodybuilder, and she's trying to. Uh, arm wrestle. She's arm wrestling with just like re like regular dudes, and they're like dude bros that maybe lift a little bit, and they're just all beating her. And you see this in athletics all the time. Uh, there was a recent thing with Serena Williams, and uh, what's his name, McEnroe said, "Well, she's good as a woman, but she wouldn't compete against other men." And people got upset, even though it's one hundred percent true. Uh, and there's rankings to see where you know say different you know, sexes line up in ranking with each other. Anyways, rambling. So he goes on to talk about this gender gap in employment um, and and how there's studies and things that have shown that, you know, women are sort of paying attention to different things and that them paying attention to these different things might lead to them making different career choices or their interactions in the workplace are going to be different than men's are going to be. And... When you go looking for dragons to slay, um, you might end up creating self-inflicted wounds. And this is the harm of Google's bias. So they are spending time and resources. Um, so they're actually spending time and corporate resources on programs and mentoring and classes, but only for people with certain gender or race, right? It's like, well, the men are the ones who are, you know, committing the sexism and they need to have special training. Really? I mean, isn't this for ev isn't this a, th a lesson for everybody to learn? Uh and I'm going to go a step further and say wh what he's talking about um so he gives the little footnote here where he talks about the actual classes and things that they that they take. I'm assuming that it is as he's presenting it that it was just men taking certain classes and maybe at a certain point just white men or just white people taking certain classes or attending certain programs. And that is, that's a literally discrimination against these people and saying that, you know, those people, uh, and saying that they need this special training just by merit of their skin color or their gender. And... This is, again, this is, a, it's a misguided attempt at correcting a problem 
that this solution may not be able to correct, right? And you would think a company like Google would be all about trying to, you know, really find a solution to a say a problem like, you know, discrimination in the workforce, if they were able to come up with a solution, maybe a technical one at, the, at, the, at that, that they would be then helping society and that would also make a product somehow, I'm sure, and that would increase their value and, and would it help in, impact the world in a positive way. So you'd think they would want to find real solutions to the real problems, but apparently not. Apparently, rather than digest all this information and refute it all or accept the parts that are true and not, they decided to just bring down the ban hammer and, you know, not in this guy's career per se, but at least in his career at Google. So he talks about controversial topics like evolution and climate change, uh, IQ and sex differences, and that these different topic, different fields of study tend to have political leanings, right? Uh, humanities and social science lean left, right? Which creates these, creates these blind spots. You, you get in an echo chamber and there's nothing to really challenge what, what you're experiencing, what you're seeing, and, and what, you, what everybody around you believes. And so it just becomes a matter of, um, you know, well, we're right and they're wrong. And then you have tribalism and then it's easy to demonize and you still aren't learning about your, your opponent. You're only reinforcing what you already think. You're not actually, you know, you're not actually meeting them. So, <laughs> so he, he go again, like I said, he's making a business case for these methods and programs not necessarily being effective right? Like they're not being effective and it's, uh, the idea is that if they're going to spend their real world time and real world money on some kind of uh, classes or a program that is going to benefit and, and reduce the issue of say, you know, this disparity that you got to do it right. Do, do the correct thing, right? So, he goes on to talk about, you know, demoralizing. So, so take the moral aspect out of this idea of, of, of discrimination or, uh, you know, biases and just make it, uh, make it, it's, it's just a, a sort of a mathematical disparity and you do that, which will overcome that mathematical disparity. Again, he's trying to be kind of objective and scientific about it. Don't make it about, aggression or intention that people are intending to like these men are trying to keep the women out like let's look out why there aren't as many women is it really all just the negative male uh you know intent that's keeping them out or is it a byproduct of again all these other forces and factors so he says stop alienating conservatives now this again this this starts to kind of become political in, in a real direct way but what part of what he's talking about is not again to stop alienating conservatives in terms of you know the republican that you know but the whole galaxy of ideology and concepts that surround a person that would come to a point where they call themselves conservative right uh maybe they're skeptical about the transgender issue Maybe they're skeptical about climate change for whatever reason. Those are things you can have. You can have a discussion about specific pieces of that. But if somebody presents themselves that way, 
you can't immediately view them as though they are the enemy. That's the tribalism aspect again. And you can't, you can't, uh, or you shouldn't, uh, treat them as though they are either dumb or, again, evil, right? That you can't treat them like they're evil. You just have to engage with the ideas. But when you've moralized issues, as he was saying, you make transgenderism your hill to die on, you're not likely to have a real rational conversation with somebody about the, you know, suicidality rate in uh, in the transgender community, right? You're not going to want to hear that. You're going to want to hear about how they're oppressed and you're bad because you're opposed to them. And you say, well, no, actually, they just they have high rates of depression and suicide. And I don't know if we should be encouraging that to continue. And then you're a bigot, homophobe, transphobe. And really, you're coming from a place of not wanting people to make irreversible life choices and having other people applaud them as they head into a demographic that has high rates of suicide, for example. Okay? So maybe you're still following me here. I haven't totally put you to sleep yet. So he then goes on to talk about confronting Google's biases. Um, 